All right, what's going on, everybody? Uh, this is a special edition of the Phillies Nation podcast. Uh, we're coming at you live um, with a Q&A. Um, you know, some, some questions submitted earlier. If you have any questions, you can just, you know, put them in the feed and we'll, we'll try and get to as many as we can. I'm your host, Johnny Heller. As always, joined by Ty Doppert. Ty, what is going on? Yeah, not much. Excited to answer some questions, talk some baseball with you like we do every week. But now hopefully we can get some listeners, get some interaction. It should be a fun hour or so for us. And we'll have a guest on too, which will be fun. For sure. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, we will have a guest on in a little bit. Um, that's Tim Kelly of, of Phillies Nation. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to just start answering some of the questions that were submitted to us on Twitter. Um, ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Want to go first? Yeah, sure. So the first question uh, that, that we had submitted was from at Dan says that um and it's if it's an 81 game season is there any chance we mainly see a four-man rotation if so who is most likely to be the odd man out um yeah i'll go go first on that one i'd say for if we have an 80-ish game season um for the phillies i'd say that and mostly every team i'd say it's unlikely that it's a four-man rotation um you know maybe because of a short season they the pitchers could handle a little bit more of a load pitching uh, on some shorter rest. But I think just because of their routines being interrupted, like they have been with baseball being uh, postponed, I think it's unlikely that they would, I think it's unlikely they would do that just because they don't want to put too much stress on their arms in such a short amount of time. Um, Maybe if they were on still kind of a more regulated type of program, I know pitchers are doing their best to stay, um, you know, kind of loose and ready to go if there is going to be a season so that they're, they're ready. But I think that there's a chance if they, if they try to ramp them up too quickly, go with a four man rotation at the end of the season, uh, or will it be the duration of the whole season, but second half of a regular season, it could end up with guys getting hurt. So I think they'll try to avoid that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I understand like the idea, you know, um, if you have Aaron Nola and, you know, he's used to pitching 200 innings in a season and we're in July and he hasn't pitched any, it, it'd be great if you can throw him out there every fourth day and, and get really good production out of him because he's um, obviously such a, such a great pitcher, but I don't, I don't think that, like you said, I just don't think the arms can handle that because they, you know, they're not stretched out right now. they there's going to be like a two week spring training. Um, and I mean, when's the last time we've seen a four man rotation? I know there was the one time in uh, Colorado. Yeah. Like but they had um, like they had a four man rotation, but I think they had a, a 75 pitch pitch count. So yeah, uh, if, if you're going to keep arms healthy, there would have to be some kind of restriction like that. Uh, I don't think we'd see a traditional kind of four man rotation. And plus, you know, you talked about Nola. It'd be nice if you could get Aaron Nola to pitch every fourth day. But if I remember correctly, um, he he's even like a lot better with an extra day rest rather than even on, on regular rest. So kind of putting him on three days rest instead of four, I, I think that could be a big problem. Yeah. I mean, we saw that last September when, uh, you know, down the stretch, the Phillies were still two or three games out of the wild card spot and, um, you know, Gabe Kapler committed to pitching Aaron Nola every fifth day and, and he kind of wavered down the stretch. Um, and we, we've seen that from Nola before, just that he is uh, definitely better the, the more time he has off between starts. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I got the appeal. I think it, it's more like I think, you know, there's a chance we could see some kind of um, non-traditional configuration, whether it be a bullpen de- game every fifth day or, or something like that. Um, depending on, on how much they trust, you know, Nick Pavetta or Vince Velasquez or, or Ranger Suarez to fit in that fifth spot. But um, I don't think they would just do a four man rotation um, and, and limit the, the off days for guys. Uh, let's just to answer the second part, who would you think the odd man out would be if um, that were to kind of happen? I, I know we agree. It's probably unlikely, but who, what would be the four man rotation? Do you think at least to start the, season i think it'd be 
Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Jake Arrieta, and Zach Eflin. Um, I think that's kind of was set in stone in spring training that those four guys had their their jobs and that um, the battle for the fifth starter spot was between Nick Pavetta, Ranger Suarez, and Vince Velasquez. Um, so, you know, those three guys would not likely make the rotation if uh, they decided to limit to limit it to four guys. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be, I think that would be the setup. Uh, maybe, you know, um, maybe there's a shot that Arietta or Eflin could end up if they don't pitch well, if they um, kind of have bad stretches like they did last season, maybe they could be moved out of that rotation, but it, I think, I think you got it right there. Yeah. Um, Dan actually had another question. Um, it's not specific to Phillies, just uh, where do you each stand on the idea of the DH being in both leagues? So, you know, I think I, it's a good question because it does, it, it's increasingly looking like um, the DH is going to be in the national league for good. Um, and, you know, I think I understand why a lot of people have their qualms with that. Um, you know, it, it is, there definitely is an element of tradition and strategy that is, is gonna, you know, not going to be there anymore when you don't have a pitcher hitting. Um, but, you know, I mean, you have talked a little bit about this the past couple of days, um, how it's going to be cool to, to, you know, for the, the Phillies to be able to sign a DH, like a guy like Nelson Cruz, um, you know, adding another big bat to the lineup without having to worry about them playing in the field. You know, it could even it could even help them out if, if they decide that they don't want to play Alec Bohm at third base. Um, so I think it, it plays to their advantage in some way. Um, and while, like I said, I get why some people don't want it, I think it could be some could bring some exciting stuff to the National League and for, to the Philly specifically. Yeah, I, I think. I think the DH, it kind of, it extends people's careers. Uh, you, you see guys like Nelson Cruz, like you just said, uh, you know, imagine th- this big poppy play as long as he did if there was no DH. So uh, Jim told me another one, former Philly. Uh, I, I think that's a good thing that they, guys who don't have it in the field anymore, that they just don't have that ability um, and are still good hitters. They can, keep playing the game and, and, you know, people get to watch that. Um, and, and I think for the most part, watching pitchers hit, like, to be honest, it, it sucks most, mostly like they're not very good at it, but the, the argument to that is my, Mike Petriello of MLB.com. I believe he, he tweeted something like this the other day. It was just like for everyone's argument against the DH, just, shows them this and it was a video of Bartolo Colon hitting a home run like there are definitely good moments out of the pitcher um the pitcher having to hit uh creates more strategy you run out of bench players faster and and uh you know maybe that's not a good thing uh, necessarily for players health and and putting them into the best positions but it makes for some interesting moments um in the game I think, uh, but yeah, I, I think it makes sense because more, more times watching the game, it'd be more visually appealing to watch an actual hitter over the pitcher, like 99% of the time, but you know, then you miss out on moments like the Bartolo home run. Yeah. So, so who really knows, you know, may, but I still think, um, like you said, I think it could help the Phillies. I think they're in a good they're in a good position to to kind of take advantage of a rule change rule change to the National League. I think it's weird that both leagues like have different rules. It doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, but yeah, it, it, we've probably seen the last of pitching, which is weird. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just want to say to anyone who is tuning in again, that if you have any questions you want answered um, live right now, you can just throw them down in the comments on the stream. Um, but anyways, moving on to questions that have been sent in. Uh, this one comes from Kyle Bennett. Uh, who was the better Ben acquisition, Ben Revere or Ben Francisco? So I'll, I'll let you start this one off. Um, 
Ben Francisco had a big postseason home run. So probably him. And it, if, you know, by the definition of acquisition, Ben Francisco came in the Cliff Lee deal. <laughs> so that was probably a better acquisition for the Phillies um, than just kind of Ben Revere for like, I think it was Vance Worley and Trevor May. And Trevor May is a good reliever now. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I would take Cliff Lee and Ben Francisco over Ben Revere. Yeah, I mean, it's Ben Francisco, you know, the first year he was here. And like you said, he had that big postseason home run. Um, he wasn't a great hitter, but yeah, he had a OPS over 800 the first year he was here. And, you know, Ben Revere just he hit 300, but other than that, um, you know, it was just Ben Revere. So, like, he didn't really co- contribute to any winning Phillies team. So, I think just by that logic alone, it, it was Ben Francisco. Um, so, yeah, that's – so, uh, right now, um, Tim Kelly, the editorial director at Phillies Nation, is joining us. Tim, what's going on? What's going on, guys? Uh, enjoying watching this, and hopefully we're going to get baseball soon. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, it, it does look like, um, you know, right now everyone's negotiating, but, you know, more and more stuff has been coming out, so we'll see. Um, yeah, so we're just answering some of the, the submitted questions we got over on Twitter. Again, if, for anyone who is watching right now, you can just throw – any questions you might have into the chat and on the, on the Facebook and we'll answer those for you too. So, all right, Tim, we're going to start off with um, a question from at Phillies freak three from Twitter. Uh, who do you think will be the 2021 shortstop, especially if there isn't a season this year? That's a great question. And uh, I, I know you and I have been talking about this off air quite a bit that, I don't know if they're going to bring D.D. Gregorius back. I don't know if they feel like Gene Segura moving forward is someone that's capable of playing shortstop again. I don't know if they think that Scott Kingery is somebody that they feel needs to be at second base every second or they just want him at one position. Because my gut feeling says if Scott, if they're fine with Scott Kingery playing second base or playing shortstop, excuse me, that's the position he's going to be at. If not, I don't know. It's going to depend on what type of season uh, D.D. Gregorius has, whether he prices his way out, and how the Phillies feel about making another investment at that position as opposed to investing elsewhere, whether it be the bullpen or the starting rotation. So there's some interesting free agents this offseason. We're going to have to wait and see, but uh, it's certainly one of the biggest questions for the team this season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you mentioned, we've we've talked about this a little bit um, off air. And um, I think an interesting aspect of this offseason is we don't really know how the market's going to play out for a lot of guys, um, you know, just because teams are not going to be willing to spend as much. Um, so, you know, they, they could bring back Didi Gregorius on another one-year deal. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, they could explore something with, you know, Marcus Simeon, would be an upgrade there although I don't I don't really know what he's gonna get because he had one really really big year and then you know you know do teams uh try to avoid that because he was up and down the rest of his career or does he get a big contract so um a lot of it it, it just depends on um you know how big of spenders affiliates are how they feel about Kingery at sh- shortstop versus second base um how they feel about Gene Segura uh Ty what are your thoughts yeah, I think unless it, in a short season this year, unless D.D. Gregorius really goes off uh, for the Phillies, I think it's unlikely that he gets any type of big deal that I think he was hoping he would get after, um, in his eyes, I, I would assume he was hoping he'd have some kind of bounce back year this year and get a multi-year deal. And I, I just don't think that unless it's for low AAV, especially with um, – you know, the, the free agent market might not be, uh, you know, the free agents might be, might not be getting the same money they have been with the season only, you know, either not happening or only being a half season or whatever. Um, I, I just think that 
he might sign another one-year deal with the Phillies. Uh, he has that connection with Joe Girardi, who's managing the Phillies now. And unless he, like I said, really goes off and, and hits a bunch of home runs or, uh, or something in a short amount of time, I doubt he gets a huge deal or anything like that. So I think it could be, um, I think it could be likely that he's back on a, on a one year. Well, and the issue that you face in this situation is uh, if there's a DH, I think there's a real chance DD Gregorius is back. If not, Alec Bohm is almost certainly going to be your opening day, third baseman next season. And then who knows where you go from there with the rest of the infield. It depends on what you feel about Scott Kingry's ability to play shortstop and whether you want him at shortstop. Because I think second base is a relatively replaceable position at this point in baseball. So you could opt to go a cheaper route, have Alec Bohm play third base, have Scott Kingry play shortstop and sign a free agent that gets non-tendered or whatever the case may be and invest in the bullpen or invest in the starting rotation. The one thing I would say, though, is that I think D.D. Gregorius, now it, it may be a little different if there's no fans, which there almost certainly won't be. I think he has a chance to become a really a, a fan favorite because he's just he's a super likable guy. And I think people realize that pretty quickly at the opening or at the introductory press conference for him and Zach Wheeler, where Zach Wheeler unquestionably was the bigger signing. I remember looking around like shortly after the press conference that's televised ends and they break up with individual reporters and Zach Wheeler had a crowd of two, three, four reporters. And then I looked over to the left and Dee Gregorius was there with 20 reporters. So uh, the fact that he, I think will become very popular in Philadelphia relatively quickly, it's going to create an interesting dynamic here. Definitely. Um, Moving on to another question. I'm going to paraphrase this one from Charles Lockerman. Um, how do you think the Phillies are um, prepared for, for a shortened season? You know, how, do, how will the shortened season impact them? Are they better off or worse off compared to, um, you know, a full 162-game season? I think they're probably worse off because a a team like the Nationals that I looked at and thought, wow, over an 162-game season, this is going to be rough for them to bounce right back. Steven Strasburg threw 100 more innings in 2019 than he did in 2018. Max Scherzer looked like he was hitting a wall physically. And now all of a sudden, they seem like a team that's really geared up to play well in a short season. And then you still have the Mets and the Braves, who should be really good teams as well. So just by the fact that I think the Nationals were more likely to regress over an 162-game season than they would be over an 82-game season, I don't think that helps the Phillies. And what this is going to come down to is how deep is your team because there's going to be a lot of games in a short amount of time. If a guy misses a month, that's a gigantic chunk of the season. Uh, And I don't know. I mean, offensively, I don't think the Phillies are in bad shape, but the bullpen's already been hurt. Maybe you get David Robertson back. We don't know that, but it doesn't look like Sir Anthony Dominguez is going to pitch this season or maybe even next season. Who knows? And you have a lot of guys in the starting rotation, but you only have like two that you're really certain of. So uh, th- there's a lot of questions. The one thing I would say, though, is that it eliminates any questions about innings limits for Spencer Howard or anything like that. So if you feel comfortable with him starting the season with the team, there's no reason he can't do that. And there's really not going to be much of a reason why you would have to manage innings for him. Yeah. I think, I think that a shortened season helps the Phillies to be honest, uh, because of one reason that you mentioned Spencer Howard, no type of uh, huge innings limits or anything like that. I think it's more likely he's up at the start of the season I think it'd be more likely that Alec Bohm is up right at the start. Andrew McCutcheon would be playing from day one, which is a, a huge, huge thing for the Phillies. Um, and, and like you said, maybe, maybe Robertson comes back. Maybe somebody like Tommy Hunter can start the season um, when he probably wouldn't have um, on, you know, the original opening day. And maybe maybe it helps other teams too, and maybe it helps a team like the Nationals more than the Phillies. But I do think there are some positives uh, to a shortened season for the Phillies, and I think Howard being able to pitch, uh, you know, as often as possible with as as few limitations as possible 
is the biggest thing. And then McCutcheon also being able to play right away is another huge one for the Phillies. Yeah, I, I agree with, with um, all that. Like, I think being able to start this season with Andrew McCutcheon as your leadoff hitter is huge. Uh, we saw last year how much they struggled, you know, finding a guy who would be able to, you know, do that. No, no one else could um, find success out of the leadoff spot. So, and the, and obviously Spencer Howard too. I think Ty, when you went to the um, the Winter Town thing in in Reading, um, that uh, Girardi Winter Caravan went, yeah, uh, that thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, Girardi said that he expected 140 to 150 innings for Spencer Howard at you know at the most, and obviously he wouldn't be able to get close to that in a shortened season. So. Yeah. Well, Scott Profrock uh, kind of shot that down right away. He he said that would be at the very most. So I, I doubt that he would reach that much, even with um, even if there was a full season, that was probably unlikely. But Girardi did. He kind of capped it at the top around that number. Yeah, but I mean, anyways, like Howard wouldn't be able to get that near that number. It's just a matter of um, whether or not they're willing to start him you know, in this, during the season in the majors, uh, obviously rosters will be expanded and, and all of that. Um, but well, and the I, one thing having to do with that though, is if you're not ready to start them at the major league level to begin the season, when are you going to be in 2020? Cause there's almost no scenario where there's triple a this season. And I get it. Neither of these guys have played at that level. You probably would have liked to see them do that, but uh, circumstances have changed and, you, you need to adapt to that. And I, I think this is a, a very – I find it hard to believe the Phillies would make a change in terms of front office or anything like that. But absolutely there's pressure on the front office this season and next season to figure something out. And having your best players at the major league level is the way to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, – oh, I just lost my train of thought. So one thing, one thing you mentioned earlier was depth, and I think – the Phillies, when you look at the team, they have a lot of in the in the bullpen. They have a lot of unproven guys. Um, you know, you think about a guy like Ramon uh, Rosa, who looked really good in spring training and looked like a guy who could contribute to the bullpen, but not someone who you, who you can rely on. And um, that's a lot of the bullpen. And you know, a team can manage that through a 162 game season. You know, and make trades at the trade deadline and all that to kind of fix those holes we don't know like if what the trade deadline is going to look like this year, um, especially playoffs might be expanded. Um, so teams might be more in or less inclined to sell guys and just in general, because of, of how weird this, this whole thing is um, we don't really know what that's going to look like. So it might be harder to kind of make any changes to the roster. And I think that hurt, will hurt the Phillies because I think um, there, there are some holes that, are going to show themselves maybe in the rotation, definitely in the bullpen. Um, and if they can't really address them, then uh, it, it could affect them negatively. Yeah. And having more teams in the playoffs potentially makes teams less inclined to potentially sell, which is another thing that hurts you if there is any sort of trade deadline this year. And I look around at the other three contending teams and I, I shouldn't even exclude the Marlins because I think the Marlins are much better than they were last season. But when I look at the other three teams, the Nationals maybe have some questions in the bullpen but have a loaded starting rotation. The Mets have still a very strong starting rotation, even without Noah Syndergaard. And I think their bullpen, for as much of a disaster as it was last year, has a chance to really improve this season. And then the Braves might have the best bullpen in baseball. And I, I think that they're – uh, starting rotation is better than a lot of people uh, anticipate it being. I think they have a lot of quantity there of good arms, and that's certainly going to play an impact in, in this season. So all these other teams have at least one strength. Either their starting rotation is really strong or their bullpen is strong. The Phillies maybe will have a really good one too, but it, it's difficult for me to imagine a scenario this season where their starting rotation is a strength. Their lineup might be a strength, and the bullpen – who knows? I mean, is Sir Anthony Dominguez, it doesn't appear, is going to pitch this season. Uh, I'm interested to see if David Robertson can come back. The, the guy that's probably the real X factor is Victor Arano because two seasons Victor two seasons ago, Victor Arano looked like a legitimate, uh, maybe not a closer, but certainly a setup man two seasons ago. 
and then really didn't pitch last season after getting injured early on and having to have his elbow scoped. So he's someone that you need to step step up this season. And not only this season, like you need to start to have some foundational pieces in the bullpen if you're going to be a good team. And he could potentially be one of them. Yeah, I mean, I do think um, just looking at, at, you know, the spring training roster and all the non-roster invitees and stuff, from this past spring training, the Phillies do have kind of a, a bunch of guys who look like they could potentially, um, you know, be, be those foundation bullpen piece uh, pieces. You think about Ramon Rosso, you think about um, Garrett Clevenger and, you know, there are a bunch of other names. So, you know, you hope that even if, if not all of those guys can become that, if one or two of them do, that's huge. Um, so w- one more thing before we let you go, Tim, uh, you know, because you were just talking about this. Uh, what are your predictions? If there is an 82-game season, um, how do you see the Phillies finishing and how do you see the NL East in general? Um, how do you see those four teams at the top ranking? It's a good question because with the 162-game season, I thought it would be Braves, Mets, Phillies, and Nationals. And now I'm really not sure about that. I'm, I'm cool on the Mets to a degree because – of losing Noah Syndergaard and I'm a higher this time on the nationals because I think you've had ample time to rest and you're asking less of a workload out of what is an older roster. So I still think the Braves are the best team in this division. After that, I kind of think all bets are off. The thing about this shortened season, if there is one is that the Phillies could tank their season with a bad three week stretch They could also propel themselves into the playoffs if they play over their heads for a few weeks. And that adds some excitement. And I'm looking forward to that dynamic potentially presenting itself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the thing with the nationals, we saw it last year, you know, they, they struggled out of the gate and then because they have, you know, that, that roster wasn't necessarily super deep. The bullpen struggled, the lineup had, you know, the two great hitters and then, um, you know, a couple other decent guys, but it wasn't, again not that deep but they found their groove down the stretch and then they they got hot at the right time and that that uh is a roster that's built to succeed in the playoffs and i think we see that in a shortened season too um and what to your point of the phillies you know two years ago in in 2018 82 games into the season the phillies were in first place and that team was nowhere near as talented as as the team is this year um at least on paper so like you said it it a season that short allows for a lot of, um, you know, outliers and everything. So they could finish in first place. They could finish in fourth Yeah, place. It, it depends what stretch you get. Because if you took the second half of 2018, it, it was a train wreck. So if right. you get that 82-game stretch, uh, they're cleaning house in Philly at the end of the season. So uh, we're going to see what happens. It, it, it should be interesting. And uh, I, I just want baseball. I miss it. Same here. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on, Tim. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, Thanks, Tim. So. No problem. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. Um, Johnny, next thing we're going to move on to here. Uh, I see somebody in the Facebook chat here. He's voiced his criticism of Reese Hoskins. I'm not sure I can read that one on here, but we could talk about Hoskins a little bit. Um, but uh, before we get into that, anybody who's tuning in here on Facebook Live, uh, j- just comment down below anything you want us to talk about or if you have any questions, um, just let us know and we'll talk about it. Just leave it leave it in the chat and we'll, we'll be rating them. But yep. in the Hoskins, um, you know, he was very, very disappointing in the second half for the Phillies last season after a very, very good first half. Um, Overall, he had a pretty decent offensive season, but the highs were very, very high, and the lows were as low as maybe we've seen any Phillies hitter um, in the last 50 years, to be honest. Uh, so so what are you thinking about Hoskins going forward, and, and where do you think he might stand in, uh, in regards to you know, how the Phillies go and, and how much they can depend on him? Yeah, I mean, it's such a tough, like a a tough thing to to think about because you don't really know. Even though we've seen two and a half full major league seasons of Reese Hoskins, I still think it's kind of a question mark. Um, I think he's he's definitely better than what we saw 
the second half of last season, uh, he was, you know, one of the worst five qualified hitters in baseball, um, which you really don't expect from your, what, 26 year old star first baseman. Um, you know, that's what you expect from your eight hole hitter. So, uh, that was a disaster. I, I mean, you can't really like, it was not good. And, and, you know, if, but if you look at what he's been, he was up to that point, he was still a streaky player, but he was, you know, his low points only lasted, what, two, three weeks, maybe a month. Maybe he had to have a month here or there where he struggled. But, you know, he's a guy who gets hot and can carry a team for a couple of weeks. So uh, I think I think that if you watch Reese Hoskins, you know, the plate approach is there. He sees the ball really well. And, and obviously he's got power. Um, and he'll walk a ton. And I, I do think he's like a, an above average major league baseball player. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I think you agree, right? Yeah. At the very least, he's going to get on base. You even saw it uh, when, when he was bad in the second half, he was still kind of uh, impressively getting on base for, for as few hits as he was getting, like he, he still got on base at a decent clip. I don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, but he ended up with a, a good on-base percentage overall for the season. Um, and like you said, the approach is there. He, he's kind of um, a very modern type of hitter where he, he'll, um, he'll hit for power, but he's not going to, um, he's not going to have a, a low OBP ever. He's going to hit for power. Uh, maybe, maybe not 45, 50 home runs or anything like that. Uh, but he's, he's going to hit you some doubles and, and homers. And he's also going to walk, a ton maybe uh he looks for walks to a fault uh some might argue that maybe he should be looking to drive the ball more instead of looking for walks all the time but uh, i'm kind of torn on that because I, I i think that him trying to drive in more runs and hit for um some more uh trying to slug more i think that could help him in, in some regards but at the same time so much of his value does come from uh, coming on base, uh, you know, getting on base for the Phillies. So I don't really know. I, I do think that he's going to be better than he was in the second half of last season. Maybe he isn't as good as he was in the beginning of 2019 and probably almost definitely not as good as he was in like August of 2017 uh, yeah, at the end of the year there. But I, I do think that, I do think that there is still a very solid, um, above average major league first baseman in there and somebody that I think the Phillies should be able to rely on uh, whenever there's baseball again. Yeah. I mean, I think thinking back to when we had uh, Joe Giglio on the podcast a few weeks ago, um, he said, you know, Reese Hoskins, he's less Ryan Howard and more like a Joey Votto. And obviously Joey Votto is a, a great hitter and, and um, you know, we're not saying Reese Hoskins is the same player, but it's, it's kind of like Reese Hoskins kind of, you know, after that first stretch he had in the majors, people expected him to be Ryan Howard. And that might have, um, you know, changed what people expect him to be versus what he actually is. And he's a guy who's going to walk and hit maybe 30, 35 home runs a year um, and still finish. You know, I think his OPS last year was like eight nineteen, but he, I think he's a guy I expect to be around eight fifty eight sixty over the you know the next five six years of his career um but another thing about hoskins last year like you mentioned he was he was great the first month two months of the season it's interesting to think about how we might treat treat him if um in this conversation if he had started the year you know the first two and a half three months super cold and then gotten progressively um hotter as the season went along and, and ended the season on a hot streak um which is that's closer to what i mean obviously bryce harper and jt real muto um didn't have any cold streaks you know near what what hoskins had but the first three months of the season um people were down on bryce harper and jt real muto they were not meeting their expectations and then they both got hot at the same time in the beginning of august and i think everyone is happy with how those two guys did over the course of the entire season because you know that that last uh couple months leaves a lasting impression you know yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that I think that's super important. Like you said, just getting that streak at the end of the season. Um, 
And Hoskins was definitely never able to do that at the end of the year. Uh, he just was in a slump and he was never able to get out of it. And, you know, one of the, like I said, it was just such a disappointing second half. Uh, but all it take, all it would have taken was one kind of hot streak to, to get him out of it. Like, like Harper and real Mito had. And I think people would have thought about Hoskins this season a lot differently, but, um, you know, he obviously didn't have that hot streak. So it, it ended up just tanking his entire second half. But, um, I doubt that something that, um, I doubt that he has production that's that low um, going forward. Uh, I, I just think he's, I think he's a better player than what he showed at the, in the second half of 2019. Yeah. Someone just commented in the Facebook, uh, Bob Friedel or Friedel. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Hoskins is not Dominic Brown. Uh, I think that's true. I think he's, um, you know, we all remember Dominic Brown was hot for a month and then obviously he also had all those expectations attached to him and then he never found that groove again. I think when you look at just, again, Hoskins' plate approach, it's all more sustainable. And even though he had that stretch last year, I, I do still think he's a, an above-average major league player. Yeah, and I think maybe if you were somebody who was down on Hoskins, um, you could compare him to Brown in the sense that Brown had May of May of 2013 and Hoskins had that August-September of 2017 where they just both – went off on home run hitting streaks and, and I guess Hoskins kind of detractors or people who aren't as high on him would say, Oh, he had that one good month and then he tailed off. But, you know, other than at the very end of 2018, he was really good for the first half of 2019. He was really good. Um, so I, I don't think he's that kind of flash in the pan type of player. I think he's somebody who's going to, to stick around for a while for the Phillies and, and be pretty good. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I don't think we have any more questions prepared for us. Um, you know, I think we can build a little bit more off of what we expect just in general, kind of what we were talking about with Tim, like, what do you expect? How do you expect the division to shake up um, in, in the event of an 82 game season? Yeah. Uh, before I get into that, we're just going to say again, if you have any questions, leave it uh, in the Facebook chat here. Um, but I think I agree with Tim with, with, uh, the Braves being probably the best team in the national league East, um, uh, assuming all the divisions are, are just as they usually are. And I'm not quite as high on the nationals as he was. Um, uh, the nationals clearly have like their, their, the top three in their rotation is, absolutely i mean it's it's three of the three of the top like seven pitchers in the national league you know it's yeah their their rotation is insane and then they have some some players who can kind of round it out at the back end of the rotation too um but I, i just think like you said they had two really amazing hitters last season and then it was a pretty pretty big drop off i mean trey turner trey turner is Trey really Turner good. is really I, good, uh, like, but I, he's not, he's not on the level of uh, Rendon, like a Soto, yeah. Soto and Rendon. Rendon. And, and like you said, it was Soto and Rendon uh, carrying their lineup and they don't have Rendon anymore. And I right. think that is a huge, huge loss for them. And I'm not sure. I, I just think they were better. Uh, they were better than they were at the beginning of the year last year. Like they, like everything went wrong for them at the, at the beginning of the year, just a, it was kind of a, a meltdown at the start for them. Do you, um, do you remember in the middle of May, I tweeted, I remember like maybe it was like May 20th or May 21st around this time last year, I tweeted a picture of the standings because the, they were literally a half game ahead of the Marlins. Like they were, or maybe one and a, they, they had the same amount of losses as the Marlins. Um, and it looked like they were, you know, going in the dump, like they looked, bad they looked really bad do you remember when they kept trotting rosenthal out there and he oh my goodness he, he didn't get an out he didn't get an over. out for he didn't get an out for like five games or something i was at i was at the game where he got his first out finally aaron out pitched that game but uh 
But yeah, like things went really bad for them at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And then for the rest of the year, like that's pretty much what they were. Like they were a good team, but then in the playoffs, just about everything went right for them. Well, I think and they, you know, they also turned a bad bullpen into like a passable bullpen who came up very, very clutch for them uh, at the end of the year. Like Hudson was, Hudson was really good. Like that was, yeah. an, that was a really good pickup for them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, things went right for them in the playoffs. They, they won four games in Houston. Houston. Well, I think, all right. I think, you know, you could just say that things went right for them, but like, you look at that roster, that roster definitely not built for like, again, it's a, you know, great starting pitchers and great, great, a couple great hitters in, in Rendon and Soto. That roster was not built for, you know, to win a hundred games in the regular season, but that is a roster that was built to win in the playoffs. You know, you mentioned the bullpen. I th- also think that, um, you know, all, th- all three of those guys, all th- you know, Strasburg, Scherzer and Corbin were used you know a lot in the playoffs that's part of the reason the bullpen was able to get by that bullpen stunk and like yeah they they figured it out with with Hudson and a couple other guys were able to step up but uh you know if they didn't have Corbin Strasburg and Scherzer coming out of the bullpen and and doing their thing Dave um, Dave Martinez's uh willingness to use them the way that he did is that's probably why they won the world series and when they went when they went with Scherzer over um Strasburg in the wild card game and then they left him they left him in a, lo- a little longer than I would have uh I didn't I didn't think that Dave Martinez would be willing to to just go out and use them like like he did I thought he would kind of uh be a little more traditional um in, in how he would use the starters and, but he was willing to put Corbin in the bullpen he was willing to rely on on those three guys yeah. and it it won them in the world series did, did strasburg pitch in the in game seven? like i know scherzer started did strasburg or corbin pitch in game seven i'm, I'm um, struggling to remember i i strasburg i think was available um but they didn't go, go to him they like they they would have uh if right the situation kind of yeah kind of fell a certain way but they ended up not not using him there yeah, uh, I'm actually just looking now real quick. Corbin Corbin pitched three scoreless innings in, in game seven. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you think back to how that game unfolded. Greinke was throwing a gem. He gave up a homer and a walk. And, you know, you can debate whether or not uh, A.J. Hinch should have lifted him. But uh, when he did, then uh, he didn't bring in Garrett Cole. But, you know, like you said, David Martinez was willing to bring in his guys. And that was the difference, really, between – winning and losing the world series which was definitely interesting um but yeah there there, there's also no one certain way to win the world series like right you've you've seen teams uh ride their bullpens to to world series appearances and wins you you i mean the the 08 phillies bro that that bullpen was like we talk about Lidge all the time, but we don't talk about how good that bullpen overall was. Romero and Madsen, and Madsen and yeah. Like, yeah, but you there's no one way to uh to win the World Series, but for sure. when your strength is you have three aces, like that was the way yeah. for for them to win that World Series. And maybe the Cleveland Indians of 2016, uh, because they had Andrew Miller, like they wouldn't have to do it that specific way, but uh. It's crazy. They played to me that, the, but... the Nats played to their strengths, which, uh, which you know, it yeah, was the, cool to watch. The Indians went to the World Series the year that none of their starters were healthy, which is crazy. But, yeah, because um, they got Miller at the deadline, yeah. right? Well, Andrew Miller. Um, yeah, I mean, diving back into the conversation, I mean, what do you expect from the division in general, not just the Nationals? Yeah, uh, so like I said, I think the Braves are at the top. We really went on a tangent. Yeah, we really, Uh, really did. (laughs) But uh, I think the Braves are at the top. I think the Nationals are a little worse off than than other people might think. I think the Mets are going to be good. I like it's impossible for Diaz to be as bad as he was last yeah he's not going to he's going to be better that bullpen is going to be good i think that bullpen is going to be really good talk about everything going wrong yeah edwin diaz like that was just bad we don't know this for sure but i do remember seeing some reports that 
the Phillies were willing to trade Sanchez in a deal for for Edwin Diaz. Um, it might have it might have involved it would it have involved Paxton too, or maybe Segura. Um, it would have been, it would have been Segura, too, Segura and Diaz. Yeah, I mean, when you think about that, I mean, that would have been a disaster. Um, well, you know, also who knows how his luck right. fares uh, right. in a different different setting. But um, Definitely. yeah, I, I'm I like the Mets. I think that uh, I think they have a good good lineup. Alonzo is obviously like very legit. Um, even without Cindergard, I Degrom Stroman, you know. It's a good. Uh, they they have some good starting pitching, and I yeah. think the bullpen's going to be better. Well, they they have a they acquired a true winner in Rick Porcello, you know. Yeah, true. <laughs> a, real, a real winner, um, and uh, Michael Waka, Michael right? Waka. Post-season, Michael postseason hero. Yeah, what a strange career. You know, I remember people thinking he was going to be the next ace of that team, and then people people brought signs with Fozzie on it from the Muppets that said Waka Waka to the playoffs. <laughs> and now he's on the Mets yeah. as like a fringe, like swingman type of guy. I what do. A, I do agree with what you. A, what a career. The Mets lineup's really good. Um, Syndergaard injury hurts them. He's, he's out for the, for the year, right? Yeah. I think he got Tommy John. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, but, you know, looking at like the, the Nationals depth chart, like Eric Thames is starting at, first and Carter Keboom is starting at third I mean they have Estrubal Cabrera to slot in um need be but that that lineup is just not good you know they have Soto and and Trey Turner and that's that's really it you know I think Victor Robles is pretty good but he's not a, a great hitter um Adam Eaton's fine like I just don't know if they can score enough it's like you know kind of like the 11 Phillies but the rotation's not nearly as good and <laughs> they score even less runs I guess the 11 Phillies is in a good comparison considering they won 102 games. <laughs> that was, that was dumb. Um, <laughs> whoops. I do agree with Tim. I think the Braves are going to win the division. Um, but I, I think the Phillies, like, I think like, the Phillies are probably like, they're in my opinion, like right there with the Mets for second best. I agree with that. Um, and like Tim, like, I think it's going to be super interesting. There's going to be a lot of, of weird, things to come out of this season just like the marlins have a good rotation and i think a good rotation could kind of carry in a short season if everyone's on yeah and and the marlins lineup got a lot better uh jesus aguilar uh what's dickerson the royos walt trade um vr VR. yeah i mean that that especially when you look at seven teams making the playoffs right for each league is it seven i think it's seven i think so yeah, I mean, the, that's I what's be, been proposed at least. I would not be surprised if the Marlins made the playoffs. Um, that rotation's good, and just like when you heard you, it here first, when you <laughs> when you look at like you can pick an eighty-two game stretch in any season, and there are some statistical anom- uh, anomalies, and that I think you know people who know me know I love just like I'm a big stack guy, and like I love when things are abnormal there um so i think it'll be really fun to see you know who's gonna finish the season hitting 400 and and who's gonna you know i don't know have a era under one you know jake arietta how long was that stretch where he you know second half of that yeah was right that was you know that could happen the whole year he had like a one one eight well true or something like that um which wasn't even the best in baseball, which is crazy. But, you know, there's just, we're going to see a lot of stuff. Me and Ty have both joked about um, Michael Franco, short season Michael Franco in Kansas City winning uh, the MVP because he's a guy who will get hot for, you know, a, a period of time and, you know, be really, really bad the rest of the time. But, like, something like that isn't out of the question. I think that's what's going to be really exciting about this year. Um, you know, earlier, Ty, you asked me off air if I thought, that like if i would watch the world series and think that it's not real and i think like thinking about it today i think everyone's gonna watch it knowing not not that it isn't real but like i think we can watch it and know that it's different but still appreciate that it's you know it counts and appreciate how it's different from other seasons we've watched if we can you know watch a season and appreciate rather than you know think 
oh, I, I wish we played 162 games because there are some cool things that we'll be, we will be able to see. Yeah, like, obviously, I would much rather be watching and talking about and writing about, um, you know, baseball right now. I wish there was 162 games being played, um, you know, may, maybe 154, maybe 162 is a little bit too much. But uh, but I, I wish there was a full season, but um, knowing what's going on, uh, and, and knowing that they couldn't safely do it. And, and I hope that they can safely do an 82 game season. It's not what I would want going forward, but I think that it's going to create, if they can pull it off in a safe way, I think it's going to create um, some, some interesting little, little uh, things like, like maybe a player going off in, in what would be only a half of a season Um uh, but it, this year it's the whole season and maybe, maybe uh, somebody just, you know, may, an unexpected name wins Cy Young or MVP. Right. And I think that would be cool. I think for a weird season, I'm not completely out on expanded playoffs uh, because, you know, it's a shortened season. So maybe yeah. a, a team that didn't deserve it, like, like you mentioned, the 2018 Phillies were through 82 games outperforming how good they actually were. Like they would have been division winners through 82 games, I think in, in 2018. So um, I, I think this season while, while different, it's not, I'm not completely out on it or anything. It, I don't think it feels fake. It just feels different, but I think everyone will be happy just to, to see something. Yeah. Just to watch some baseball. Like Tim said, I think, I think Tim really misses baseball. I mean, I do too. Um I think anyone anyone listening or, or watching it misses baseball as yeah. well. Um if anyone has any we're gonna wrap this up in a little bit, but uh if anybody has any final questions or anything that they want us to yeah, literally to answer. Anything you want answered. Anything. Any anything. Maybe not completely anything, but most yeah. anything. Drop it in the Facebook comments. We will here. we will answer. We'll talk about it. Um yeah, I mean let me think um breakout relievers you have anybody breakout relievers break for the phillies anybody mm. in triple a or maybe somebody or not necessarily triple a anybody in the minors from last season or um pitched rosso. a little bit a little bit in the majors somebody think who you think rosso ramon rosso he's watching him i mean i i know you're you're a bigger minor league guy than i am i just haven't you know you covered the teams in person last year i haven't been able to really watch them much at all um so really in spring training it was this year it was really the first time i was able to watch him and a lot of the other guys uh too um like i mentioned earlier there are a lot of guys who are are right there right in the triple a level who um look poised to become relievers for the fills uh and i think rosso is is a guy who um <laughs> why <laughs> what's wrong um, bro no, we're good. We're good. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think Rosso is somebody who has good stuff. I don't know if they'll definitely use him as a reliever because I think there is some starter potential. I think I think he could make a, an impact right away as a, a reliever in spring training. He showed some nasty stuff. Uh, I just I think I sent the video to you from spring training. I, there's a video of him throwing a slider and uh, it almost hit an Orioles batter, like in the back foot. It ended up behind him and I forgot how nasty that was. And I just kind of came across the video. So I sent it to Johnny. I think that's a good pick um, for me. I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know if it'll definitely be this year, but I think Edgar Garcia is going to be good one day. I, I think, I think, think the slider has potential the slider is good i'll give you that i don't I don't know i think i mean we've talked about this on other episodes how they kind of were forced to call up uh garcia and jd hammer yeah way too early just like way too early um so like expecting anything really out of them last year wouldn't you know you can't really that was just because you know eight different guys got hurt or however many it was um yeah i mean i i I do think 
that like it's going to be exciting definitely over the next couple of years seeing these guys coming up like i know you're a big you're high on garrett clevenger um yeah just guys like him just breaking out with the they team. have guys they have guys that that have stuff um whether they can turn themselves into major league caliber pitchers um who knows but that's that's the thing when you have a lot of those guys you, you can throw a couple up there and see who sticks um which is good for the Phillies if they can get a couple. I think there's I think there's the making of a good bullpen, but who really knows? Because the thing with bullpens, is it can change one year to the next. You never really know. Yeah. Like there's there's no exact locks for the Phillies bullpen this upcoming season. I think Naris is the closest thing to a lock, but even he's two years look, removed from. He, getting sent down (laughs) exactly uh you think of him as uh, he was one of the best closers in baseball last season Uh, people don't always want to believe that because maybe he can have some shaky uh shaky outings and things like that but he was one of the one of the best closers in baseball um but yeah like you said like 2018 he got sent down to triple a because he was ineffective um but that splitter is it's legit so i think as long as he has that especially with how they used it last season i think he'll be good and i'd say alvarez is the second closest thing to a lock but uh you never really know with a bullpen you never do all right before we wrap things up last question give me your world series pick world series pick on the spot all right give me a second Give me a second. Uh, you can do you have one. You can give me. You can. I don't have. Let me think about this. I'm gonna give you my uh, ALCS, NLCS, and then World what? Series. Yeah. Just give me the World Series. Come on. All right. All right. Mm. So I think the Rays are gonna win the AL because I think that te- that team is stacked. Um, you know, we were talking with Tim earlier about depth. That team is incredibly deep. They probably have six or seven guys who can you know, be at least average, if not above average major league starters. Um, they're just, that team's always underrated. They were really good last year. They almost, they took the Astros to an elimination game. Um, and honestly, if, if Tyler Glass now wasn't tipping his pitches, they might've won. Uh, so I think the Rays come out of the American league. And I think, Hmm. I think there's one pick the Dodgers. Yeah. I just, I mean, I'm trying to think of a shortened season, but yeah, I mean the Dodgers are. I think when you look at the National League, it's I would say it's the Dodgers and then maybe the Braves and then like eight or nine different teams, kind of all mixed up. Uh, you know, the Reds, Padres, Phillies, Mets, Nationals, uh, Cardinals. I got the Padres in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I I was actually about to say Padres for my World Series pick, <laughs> and then I decided against it. They're a team that could similar, kind of similar to the. Uh, 2018 Phillies except probably better on paper a team that could play above the, themselves a little bit and then you know go on a run because the season is just going to be so different I'm the Padres you're saying yeah I mean the 2018 Phillies had no I know Chato, and they had no no Tatis. Tatis. yeah that's what I'm saying they're better than the Phillies were in, in 18 but like I, like I'm saying I'm just saying that they could still play above themselves a little bit I don't know if in a 162 game season, if you would pick them to make the playoffs in like a traditional year. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm going to go Dodgers Astros. Wow. Yeah, it does. It, it does feel like the Astros are just going to come out and <laughs> It'd be really good. Yeah. 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 Uh, who knows though? Yeah. Short we'll season. See. We'll see. Um, Maybe. Maybe they, maybe the Astros missed the playoffs this is right. season. Maybe the Dodgers missed the playoffs. That'd be wild. Remember trading for Mookie, trading remember, for Mookie Betts and then yeah. missing the playoffs. Remember when the Dodgers were on pace to win like 120 games and then fell apart in September. Mm-hmm. And but then they still made the playoffs, or I mean the World Series. Yeah, I think. they're just because they're better than ev- everyone else. Everyone, they've always been better than everyone else, and they. Still can't win the World Series. All right. Um, <laughs> anything else before we wrap things up? No. Uh, just thanks, everyone, for listening. Anyone who submitted a question, anyone who watched us on Facebook, uh, thanks. If, if 
you enjoyed it, let us know and we'll do another one of these um, eventually. But thanks for listening on Facebook. Thanks for listening to the pod. I appreciate it. You guys checking us out. Yeah. Again, uh, like I said, thanks to everyone for tuning in, whether it's on Facebook or um, in the podcast. And for anyone on Facebook who is is looking to listen to the podcast and doesn't know about it, we're on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just the Phillies Nation podcast. Um, uh, so again, thanks to everyone for listening. Till next week.